We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everyone. Back again with more March Madness Talk on the Her Hoops That's Podcast Network. Megan Gower here with Calvin Wetzel and Daniel Mattel. How are you guys doing? Great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> time's flying by. Uh, I I will say, disappointed in, in some of the mid-major teams this year. Uh, hate that we don't have any in the Sweet 16. And uh, what no double-digit seeds. But, I mean, Miami shocked the world the day after Ole Miss. I'd say shocked the world, but I, I kind of I felt that that was possible. Um yeah, I I'll, I will never be able to rationalize Indiana losing at Assembly Hall to this Miami team. It just <laughs> won't happen. Doesn't make sense. <laughs> it makes so much less sense than Stanford losing to Ole Miss. So much less. Yeah, sense. yeah, it really does. Shocking. I, I, I truly think that Indiana team is one of the best teams I've seen in like the last five years. I mean, basically since. Uh, I mean, that that's. That's just awful. I, I want to. I want to just. I know Gabe and Christy recapped everything, but I had to get it out there that I'm so dis- <laughs> so disappointed in Indiana. I mean, I do think outside of South Carolina, Stanford, UConn, I don't know if we've had outside of those three programs a better team than this Indiana team in like That's quite a while. Yeah, maybe Notre Dame. Probably yeah, going back yeah. to the Notre Dame team that won the championship. That's probably the last time exactly. the team was this good outside of those three programs. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not putting Terry on the hot seat. I'm not. I'm not doing it. Also, also, you know, shout out. This is a big, big, uh, big week for travels to be trending on Twitter because clear as day travel on a game winning shot, forever tainted. Um, but congrats to Miami. This is why. This is why it's the three of us and not Gabe on here because we. Yeah, be we would just only hear about Miami if we had Gabe on this podcast. Gabe and yeah. Dan would just be going at it, and Megan and I would have. We wouldn't even be needed. Yeah, somewhere on press row of that UConn game, though, during like the end of the Miami game, you see like me and Alexa Felfo just absolutely like screaming our heads off at my screen. <laughs> And Kathy Oriema was sitting behind us and like came over and watched half of the last quarter with us. Uh, well, I'm so glad that that people took. Uh, I mean, I mean, it's great, right? Upsets are great. Like, I, I sh- we shouldn't be mad. Um, like, we're having some of the best upsets ever, and then UConn looks back to normal. So that's you know, <laughs> give or take, whatever you like. Uh, but we have a fresh, fresh start. I love these matchups. Before we get into previewing, sorry, I have to make one more point that I was right about Villanova and oh, UCLA. No. 
uh, I, I, I will skip the rest. Oh, we don't need to do any more recapping, but I just had to remind you all that I was Yeah, yeah. Our Cleveland State love was so dumb uh, um, yeah. in retrospect. Uh, and Sacramento State, uh, you know, just couldn't make shots. It's, Cleveland, uh, State, Cleveland State didn't look like they belong on the same court. I'll say that. We just... There's no reason why we don't ever listen to Megan is the takeaway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I'll, I'll still be coming in with hot takes in the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight, but uh, what what I I think I'll side with Megan more, more times than not. Uh, not <laughs> blindly writing all of Megan's picks from here on out. <laughs> all right. Let's get into previewing, though. Should we just go around the bracket in, like, a circle here? Start in uh, Greenville 1. I mean, we can do that or we can go in order of time. Oh, that's fair. I forgot that we have times already. Yeah, yeah. let's do that. Let's go in. in All order right. Of speaking, of, speaking of the team that take, took down the giant in Cleveland State, Villanova. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, Villanova that's a big time a, win. <laughs> Villanova is a four-point favorite and games at 230, which is weird. I don't. Like for a Sweet 16 game, in my opinion, but uh, 2:30 Eastern Time in Greenville. Um, you know, I I see this game going two ways. We see Miami winning a close game or Villanova winning by 10. And based on the Big East performance overall, um. I don't. I, I guess that's an okay thing to say. I don't know. I just lean Villanova here. Yeah, I think Villanova is going to be set up well for this matchup because they played enough like difficult teams and seen enough. I feel like the Big East is, this makes sense. Like has a lot of different styles of teams within the conference, so mm-hmm. they've seen a lot of different things. So they they've seen a tough defense like Miami's going to bring. Um, and then. Even with Miami's, like Miami's defense is really good, but I feel like still like the Maddie Segrist thing here is like, how do you guard Maddie Segrist? And um, yeah, I, what, Miami's Calvin, not going to score how, a ton. Yeah, Cal, how many field goals did Miami hit in the second half? Six. Uh, six, six total shots. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's all they hit the in game, the second half of the Indiana the game, game winner. The game winner for Destiny Harden, which was a travel, by the way, as we talked about. Uh, <laughs> so it should have been five. But that was the sixth. Yep. Yeah. yeah just yeah. lived at the free throw line. Yeah. Lived. And I, I want to say, I don't remember Villanova being a team that, that fouls too much. Um, I don't but, think they are. And I'm looking for the number to support that. But yeah, like Dulce tends to get in foul trouble in the low post. But outside of that, like, I don't think it's really something that they've struggled with much. No. And Miami usually doesn't get to the line like that like that was an anomaly everything about that game was an anomaly like Miami's not a team that draws a bunch of fouls they're not a team they shot I think it was eight for 14 from three like 57 percent from three like they're not going to do that again I just like Gabe's gonna listen to this he's gonna chew me out and that's fine (laughs) (laughs) did we lose Calvin I think we lost (laughs) he'll come back um Anyways, yeah, I mean, I'm with I'm with Calvin there. I, I, I'd be hard pressed to to be convinced that Miami will end up winning this game. Um, also, there's probably a big come down factor, like a, you know, you just pull off one of the greatest upsets ever on a game winning buzzer beater almost. Um, and I think Villanova is just all business at this point. Like I don't, I know. I know the world is starting to talk about Maddie Seagrass more than like probably, you know, you've talked about her for the past, you know, four years, but uh, she's just so unstoppable. Like, and, and I feel like she's shooting well right now. Yeah. She's shooting the ball really well. She's, and then they also got, I think what was key in that Florida Gulf Coast game was it wasn't all Maddie Seagrass because Lucy Olsen had 20 oh. something points, a near triple double, 10 rebounds, seven assists. Like she just went off yeah. with them as well. And I think that's the key for them, like winning in these next, like if they're going to win two more games 
if you said like and make it to a final four as they need like that kind of contribution from Lucy Olsen or someone else someone else has to be scoring and they're a much better team when it's not just Maddie going off for 35 and you're getting something big from someone else too yeah I, I expect it to be low scoring kind of a, a you know grungy matchup but uh I think I think I take Villanova there yeah, I agree. I don't think anyone's surprised to hear me say that, but I think that, yeah, Nova's got maybe a bit of an easier path than we thought they would have to at Elite Eight with that upset. Yeah, getting to that, or also getting to that Elite Eight, going into, I think this might be my favorite matchup of this round. Um, LSU-Utah, right after that game, I am, I am so pumped for yeah, that should be an interesting one. I think you've got, um, you know, a really high-power offense in Utah. that We saw them struggle against Princeton with their their threes, but generally a team that makes a lot of threes. And then LSU has just been so good with Angel Reese especially. What did she have in the first round? It was like 25 – or maybe it was the second round game, but she had 25 points and like 24 rebounds or something absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, and she had a 30 – 33 or 34 point triple or double double in in round one um but that round one LST, lsu team even with angel going off does not beat utah in my opinion um i think that the game against michigan was the best i've seen lsu's defense look all year and it and it wasn't just you know angel reese like katiri pool absolutely shut down leah brown I don't think I've seen a, a worse Leah Brown game in the last two seasons. Yeah. And I thought they played really well too. in that game. <laughs> yeah. I thought they played really well defensively in that game. I thought they kind of came out a little flat against Hawaii. Like Hawaii gave them more trouble than Hawaii probably should have. Um, and not that it was ever like in question that LSU was going to win that game, but just that like Hawaii was able to hang around a little bit more than I would have expected. But they kind of seemed to have a shift in that mentality going into that Michigan game and really came out with, a, I thought, a different edge than they did in the first round. For sure. I, I have a question for you, and I this is no slight on South Carolina. I think South Carolina is easily maybe the most talented team in the country, um, but obviously the, the largest in terms of size. But is Utah the second, if not the best, skilled team that LSU has faced all year? Possibly. I guess it depends how you view Tennessee versus like in Tennessee right now, maybe not like the Tennessee yeah. team they played a month ago, but Tennessee right now. <laughs> Mar March um, Tennessee doesn't miss any shots. Ever. Yeah. Cause March, March Tennessee is looking really good. So, but I think it's easy to say if it's not the second best team, it's the third best team. Yeah played so far this season so yeah I think that part is interesting like how does LSU respond to that because like we've seen them not respond well against South Carolina they didn't play well in that game and then uh, Tennessee the the non-March Tennessee they beat at home though it was a pretty close game and then March Tennessee they gave up a 17 point lead to in the SEC tournament and lost yeah so I mean I guess it it definitely does depend on what type of Tennessee or type of LSU team we see uh, in this matchup, in my opinion, like I, I don't think uh, I think Utah coming in consistent will play their game. And, you know, if they if they run into a buzzsaw, that is like Angel Reese killing them on the boards because I mean, Alyssa Peely is, I think, only six foot six one. Yeah. Um, like that's your leading rebounder. You got to have everybody on the boards like consistently. Um, I, I who, who do you take in this matchup? I kind of feel like it's going to be LSU as much as it pains me to say that. I just um, Utah hasn't been a great rebounding team this year, and I think in particular against LSU that's going to hurt you. Um, and then they're also not the best like defensively either. It's like those two things that LSU does better. And I think we're seeing a theme here in some of these upsets that like the, the stronger defenses are, are winning. Gosh. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, well, uh, I mean, I guess I'm with you. Um, I would like as much as I'd like to take Utah, uh, yeah. I just think LSU's got too much size. 
Not, and we're not saying that Utah can't come out and, you know, shoot. They've got to hit threes. Yeah. 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 You got to hit like your 14 threes. If they hit 14 threes, yeah, they'll win the game. But yeah. you got to do that. Which and, they're uh, more than hard. capable of doing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You're de- they're definitely capable of it. But I feel like when you live or die by the three, it's kind of like if they go down, you're great. And if they don't, it's going to yeah. be a rough night. Uh, West Coast team also playing on the East Coast. Uh, could hurt a little bit. Um, definitely need need to see some foul trouble. I guess <laughs> something something to go right for them. Um, all right, move into what Seattle Seattle four. Yeah, confusing yeah. still. Um, retweet your original thought about renaming the regions. Um, <laughs> all right, Colorado Iowa. Uh, Iowa struggled. Yeah. This game is so interesting to me because it's almost like the same version of like the game that Iowa just played in the round of 32. Like statistically, Colorado and Georgia are pretty similar teams. I think they're both top 15 defenses. Colorado's offense is actually a little bit better. So it could be an interesting matchup. Um and Iowa, like you said, really struggled in that Georgia game. I I don't know why it feels like an easier matchup though. Um, maybe yeah, it's it just feels, so, I agree. I'm <laughs> so blinded by diamond battles, um, and I also can't fathom putting Colorado in my elite eight. You know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's. I will say the offense is looking a lot better. They went through like a lull of like eight minutes in that Monday night game where they didn't score. Um, probably should have lost to Duke, to be honest. Um, yeah, I guess you can say that with any overtime game. But also Iowa could have very easily lost to, to Georgia at home um, for the second straight year. And I don't know if we call Caitlin Clark's game against Georgia a good game. She still ended with like 20, 20 and 10, I guess. 12, yeah, um, 12 or something. Yeah, great for fourth quarter. But overall, I don't think that was a typical good Caitlin Clark game. And, I mean, they garter with Jalen Sherrod, but I just I don't see a world where Iowa doesn't win this game at 10. Yeah, I feel like they're probably going to win it. And I agree. I said something similar somewhere yesterday that I just feel like even though, like, statistically, Georgia and Colorado are basically the same team, that there's just, like, an X factor of, like, having a player, like, Diamond Battles that, like, is going to pride herself on trying to shut down Caitlin Clark, and I don't know. And maybe it's just because I've watched more of UCF and Georgia, but I just don't know if there's a player on Colorado that's going to be at that level of intensity going into that that matchup. Um so I kind of feel like I was going to win this too, but at the same time, now you're not at home. Like I think Carver Hawkeye yeah. is a really hard place to play. Um, and the thing that Iowa did well enough to win that Georgia game was like everybody hit shots. I think kind of Warnock hit a bunch of threes. Um, they had kind of a lot of threes from all of their role players. And I think had they not gotten that, they lose that game. So I think that's the other key piece is, I think we've seen it more from them down the stretch, but they've got to have games where it's not just Caitlin Clark and Monica Sazano. That's not enough anymore yeah. to win. Yeah. Gabby Marshall's been like just a revelation. Mm-hmm. Like, like yeah. he's, I don't know what her numbers are over the past month, but they got to be staggering. Um, all right. So we're, we're, we're taking Iowa uh, to advance there. Um, I also love this game. This is so fascinating. Ole Miss, Louisville. Uh, <laughs> Pour one out for my my Texas Longhorns. Um, never led at home. Yeah. Um, I was looking this up, just... Megan. I was I was looking up these stats. Uh, they had five assists that game, um, <laughs> and that's the lowest at home against a non conference team that Texas has had in in our her hoop stats era. And oh I think God. the the third time since I think the last time was 2012 or 2013, where a Big 12 team had less than five assists in an NCAA tournament game. Like, yikes! <laughs> de- defense was rolling, but like their their pace was amazing. Like Rory was never able to pick up full court because one they mm-hmm. weren't scoring, 
Um, but they were just getting the ball out and going. Like it just felt like a, a team that was way more energized and played with a sense of urgency. Uh, so, I mean, Louisville looks damn good, but yeah. also Ole Miss defense is, you know, what they did against Gonzaga was historic. And then, you know, holding Stanford under 50 at home, I think is also remarkable. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. I, I would love to hear where you lean with this. Yeah. I think you've got two really good defenses here. The thing that concerns me about Ole Miss is like, it was enough against Stanford. So, I mean, it was enough, but they really struggled to score the basketball in that fourth quarter. I think they made what one field goal in that, in that entire fourth quarter. And I don't think that that's going to be enough against Louisville. I think they're going to have to score the ball a little bit more. Um, I don't know that you're going to hold Louisville to under, I mean, I wouldn't have said you were going to hold Stanford to under 50 points, so who knows, but I don't think you're going to hold Louisville to under 50 points. I think especially like Haley Van Leith is just so good and kind of thrives in this kind of March environment. So she's going to get hers and I think you're going to have to score a little bit more against them to win. The other thing about Ole Miss and the upset is I think they shot the three ball a lot better than they normally do in the first half. Um, and maybe they can keep that going, but I think that was a big part of it. That way yeah, as well. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a big reason why Drake played Louisville so tight is they just could not miss from three. Right. And mm-hmm. Ole Miss basically for what, 40 minutes against Gonzaga and then 20 minutes against Stanford was, was kind of hitting at that same rate. Um, I don't, to me, it's like whatever team hits 60 first wins. Uh, but yeah, I, I hate to ever, ever not support Coach Yo. Um, so in my heart, I'll be rooting for Ole Miss, <laughs> but uh, I think I lean with you on on Louisville just having more weapons um, and and really just trusting them to score more. But I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if I'm wrong. Yeah. And yeah, I really like Coach Yo too, but I think also Jeff Walls has the experience in these games and he's played in a lot of these Sweet 16 and Elite 8 games, um, just kind of knows how to get his team to that next level. 100%. Like, gosh, what a master class against Vic Schaefer. Like, yeah. on his own court. Like, uh, I could, Vic, like, but... fully see, like, Jeff Wall somehow getting this Louisville team that no one's really said much about all year long to a Final Four at this point. Like, I think that's something that's very much in the cards all of a sudden. I mean, yeah, I would be afraid of them. I'm afraid of both these teams. I think it's like I, I the only team I'm not afraid of is Colorado, and I'll go on the record and say that. Like, you know, and if they end up winning two games and going to the Final Four, uh, <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. I'll come to Boulder and admit I was wrong. Um, but still, I, I think there's a case to be made that three of these teams can can make a final four here. And I, I think yeah. I lean mostly on Iowa and Louisville. Yeah, I agree. I think it's probably one of those two, but if it's all missed, I won't be surprised, to be fair. <laughs> all right. Um, to me, I feel like our first game on Saturday morning, barring <laughs> something miraculous, uh, I don't see a way that Notre Dame stays close here. Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm impressed with what Notre Dame has done so far. I think we should leave with that because I would not have put them in a Sweet yeah. 16 without Olivia Miles. So kudos to them in terms of getting, I mean, the win over Utah State, I think, was still expected. But the win over Mississippi State was a, a good win to to get there. But, yeah, I think barring some kind of horrid output from Maryland, Maryland is going to advance to to the Elite Eight. Yeah, I mean, Maryland looks so good right now. Like, kind of clicking on all cylinders. They let Arizona back in it for a little bit in that first half, and then second half it was just Diamond Miller taking over. Um, She's playing probably her best basketball of the season. Um, But, yeah, credit to Notre Dame. Uh, I mean, I think I texted you, like, who beats Mississippi State when they're making, you know, 60% 60% of their yeah. threes. Like, I, I didn't blame Creighton for that loss. It's like, right. They didn't hit anything, State. and Mississippi State hit everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Mississippi State, I think, uh, what? Yeah. Holding them to 48 points 
I mean, they were up 10 in the uh, late in the third. So uh, I don't know. I just, yeah, I don't see it uh, playing freshman significant minutes to um, yeah. That I mean, that's, that's my analysis, but I guess my, my question is, is, is there a way outside of Maryland just shooting bad that Notre Dame can win this game or something they can't expose with Maryland? Maybe just like Lauren Ebo having a really good game in the post could make it interesting. And I don't know that Maryland necessarily has the best like low post defense. And I could mm. see a player like Ebo being able to kind of score at will some, but I still don't know that that's going to be enough. And I don't think we've you know seen her go off and score 25 points this year. Like I don't think that's the type of player that she's been for Notre Dame. So I don't necessarily think that's she's going to transform into that player in four days. And if you're if you are Brenda Fries, would you? I mean, we've seen them play a two-three zone quite a bit against teams that don't necessarily get a lot of scoring output from the three. Um, and a team that's missing Olivia Miles and Dara Mabry, and I think they they only hit three threes, uh, scoring yeah. eighty-two points in the first round. I don't. I think they maybe hit four in the second round. Um, is that something you would consider? Yeah, probably. I don't think this team without those pieces is going to make a whole lot of three-point shots. So I think the easiest way to defend them is to pack it in inside a little bit and make it even harder for them to go inside and try to force them to hit threes. And then maybe you adjust if they start hitting them. But like you said, they haven't hit them. They don't have the pieces that they want taking those shots right now. I feel more confident like talking to you. I feel really great about Maryland. <laughs> really great. Um and so the next matchup, we saw it earlier in the year. Um, one of the most annoying games I've ever watched. That fourth quarter took like an hour. Eight years. Because UCLA down <laughs> down 12 was still trying to foul. It was so annoying. Um, South Carolina, UCLA. Uh, UCLA looked fantastic for three quarters, I'd say, against OU. Um, yeah. I don't know what happened in the third. Uh, I liked it because I was on OU. But um, not not great. I mean, Chris Osborne went to the free throw line a ton of times. It's you know, thirty six points is thirty six points. Um, but UCLA, they were I think what they were leading South Carolina at half last year. Yeah, at the half they were actually up to in the fourth quarter, I think at one point, and then kind of gave it away down the stretch. I think this one could get interesting. I don't know that it's necessarily going to because I think. South Carolina has played them once and is probably going to make some adjustments to how they played them last time. Um, but I do think it could be interesting. One thing that UCLA does really well is rebound on the offensive glass. South Carolina also does that. So they both kind of score a lot of their points on the, the offensive glass, and not a lot of teams can maybe keep up with South Carolina in that regard, but UCLA has the potential to. I think they um, – we're only like two points shy of South Carolina and second chance points in that first matchup. So they were able to kind of mm. keep up with them there, which is, I think a, a big piece of like hanging around with South Carolina is, is being able to match them in that regard. Um, I think UCLA also has to hit threes to make this interesting though. Um, you're going to need Chris Osborne to step on and hit some threes. I guess the one thing that maybe favors UCLA a little bit is that first matchup was that close and they rely so heavily on freshmen in this UCLA team. They've got like five five freshmen that play significant minutes. So those players are a lot more experienced. They couldn't necessarily pull it out down the stretch in that matchup at South Carolina back in November. But I think those players are going to be a little bit more ready for the moment going into this one. I still think South Carolina is going to win it, but I think – you can at least see the path where UCLA keeps it close, okay. which is maybe more than we could say in the first two games for South Carolina. <laughs> well, do you, do you think they keep it close? I don't know. I think if they hit threes, yes, but they have to hit threes. And UCLA, I feel like, is a streaky three-point shooting team. Sometimes they shoot really well from three, like they did in that matchup I think, against Stanford in the Pac-12 tournament where they won. Sometimes they don't. Um, I don't know. I think it. I. I'll say. I think it ends up being decided by under twenty points. How close it okay. is to twenty versus like 
five. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, uh, the spread on this game, I think, is 17 or 18, um, is what the market thinks this game is is going to end in a 17-point margin. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think Don probably – knows what what ucla is planning um yeah second half they've turned it on but yeah it's it's doable but i I don't see an outcome where ucla wins outright um by any means so um yeah i think i would be really surprised if that happens i think a handful of things probably go wrong for south carolina if that happens um i think really any south carolina this south carolina team losing any time before the final four would be shocking um, well, I mean, let's, let's get into elite eight. And before I say that, it's, it's kind of, it's crazy to me that South Carolina has already beat like six of these teams that are in the sweet 16, <laughs> six yeah. of the 15 teams. Um, so it's like, they've, they've already seen so many, but, uh, but yeah, so in our eventual, uh, what's this Greenville two elite eight, we would have LSU and Villanova. Wait, we didn't do the UConn bracket yet. Oh, oh my God! Thank you. <laughs> I, thank you so much. I, I just you think South Carolina, you think the end of the world, you know. <laughs> uh, I I appreciate you. Um, okay, uh, starting with Ohio State UConn. Uh, I'm gonna give my thoughts because, you know, you Megan. Um, <laughs> I I do think. There's there's a world where Ohio State wins this game. It's going to take a near perfect 40 minutes to beat this UConn team at the level that they are playing at. And I think the probability of an Ohio State win is to me like under 10% right now because I I don't think we've seen Ohio State play a a great, you know, I haven't seen them play a great 40 minutes in a while. Because I wouldn't say that North Carolina game was great. JMU, they turned it on the second half. And uh, they got, you know, one of the worst beatings I've ever seen in Iowa. And then they played a great second half against uh, Indiana and came back in, in a wild win. But UConn just looks like, a machine again and scoring in all different types of ways. Uh, and it's not just like AZ FUD being back, but like Aliyah's cuts look fantastic. Lou is hitting, uh, uh, Nika's hitting, you know, halftime, half court buzzer beaters. Like the vibes are, the vibes are excellent in stores. Yeah. <laughs> the vibes are very good in stores right now. Yeah. I kind of agree with you. I think, there is a path for Ohio State to win this, but like you said, I think they would have to execute for 40 minutes, which we haven't seen them do in a while. I think if you give up a 15-point lead to UConn in the, the first half, they're not coming back from that. Like, UConn's no. not going to let you come back from that. Um, no, it's only going to get worse. Yeah, yeah. To, for them to, to have a chance to win it, they're going to have to hit threes, and then they're going to have to turn UConn over with the press. I think that they would maybe have a better chance if this was like a, a second game of the weekend thing that you had two mm. days to prepare for. Unfortunately, I think you've now got a situation where like UConn's got five days to prepare for the press and everyone knows that's what Ohio State's going to run. So I think they're going to be ready for it. I think that's what happens when you have a coaching staff like UConn has. Um, and then, like you said, UConn looks really good right now. They're, I think the thing that's going to be really good for them is the post in this game because if once you break that press the the post defense for Ohio State is just not great and like Olia Edwards and Dorothy Uhas are both playing at a really really high level right now and especially Olia and if they're able to get her the ball inside I don't think she's gonna have a lot of trouble being able to score in the lane yeah I see no issues with the UConn scoring a thousand points in this game you know <laughs> like it's uh I haven't really been impressed with, I mean, like Ohio State's half-court defense in a long time. Mm -hmm. Occasionally they'll, you know, step up and make stops when when it counts. But, like, Deja Kelly went out um, late in the fourth 
Uh, I think UNC was down nine, and North Carolina took the lead late, like without Deja on the floor. Um, <laughs> disgusting. Yeah, I turned uh, that game off when she got hurt because I was like, oh, they're up like 12. Deja Kelly's out. This is over. I'll go drive to stores now. And then I like got to stores and I was like, how did they only win that by like two points? Mm. All right. So, yeah, I mean, I think we're, we're pretty aligned here and we're taking, yeah, taking UConn. Yeah. All right. And then so, we got Virginia Tech, cool. Tennessee. This one is interesting to me. Uh, so, what they played earlier this year, but what Horston yeah. and Rakea didn't play. I think Horston played, but Rakea Jackson did not play in that matchup. Um, you got two teams that are playing like pretty excellent. Uh, mm-hmm. Georgia Amor's shooting incredibly. Uh, so Kayla Trainer shooting excellent. Um, and then Tennessee, their entire team like cannot miss lately. But this will be the easily the best defense they've seen since South Carolina. Um, yeah. And I, I think that's what Virginia Tech probably wants to do is have a really extremely slow-paced game and uh, just essentially work inside, get Kitley as many touches as possible, um, let Amor cook when she can. Uh, but it's it's hard to, to say that this Tennessee team, who um, has won by almost 40 in both games, uh, like a total of 70 or 82 points, um, it's has to be the biggest – well, maybe UConn's close, but – uh, biggest margin so far. Um, I think I. Uh, I don't want to be Tennessee. Yeah, Go I ahead. think that's what's going to be though. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I think it's an interesting matchup because there are two very different teams. You've got Virginia Tech, at least, like you said, going to go inside to Kitley, and then you've got more on the perimeter, and then Tennessee. It's so much about those two wings and Jordan Horston and Rakia Jackson, and they run so much through. The two of them, it's a very different style. There's two things that make me lean Tennessee here. It's one, I think Virginia Tech's defense is good, but I think Corson and Rakia Jackson are hard players to guard for any team just because of their size and the way they play and the way they move on the floor. And then I do wonder about like how sustainable Virginia Tech's perimeter shooting is and if they have an off night there, if it would cost them. And then if they're also guarding Emor with more size than she's used to, is that going to be enough to disrupt her? Mm. Um, I'm, I'm thinking of it from a, from another perspective also is like, can, can the supporting cast of Tennessee who has played fantastic um, in these first two rounds and against uh, LSU for sure. Um, don't know about South Carolina. That game was really never. Close, yeah. Ever, yeah. But like they've been playing extremely well. Um, so I think I do lean Tennessee, but um, my heart is with Virginia. Virginia <laughs> um, just would love to see. I'd love to see a Virginia Tech UConn matchup. Uh, I'd like it better than Tennessee UConn. Um, I think Virginia Tech has a better chance against UConn. Um, I could be wrong, but uh, I actually kind of disagree on that because I think Virginia Tech and UConn, the way they play, is a lot more similar, which I think favors UConn a little bit. And that, like, if you're similar but better, yeah. um, whereas Tennessee is much different. I guess because I've seen it before, I just don't want to see it again. <laughs> That's fair. That part is fair. I think it would be nice to see something different. I think somewhere like the people that made this bracket and the ratings gods, though, are very happy that they might get a UConn Tennessee Elite Eight. Yeah. Yeah. Very, uh, <laughs> very sad for no Stanford versus Caitlin Clark, but you know. Um, all right. We'll jump to. Uh, our lead eight picks, we would have Villanova facing off against LSU. Um, I'll let you start because I think I, I'm pretty pretty firm on where I'm at there. 
Yeah, I think that will be an interesting game. I'm I'm gonna pick Villanova because I'm not gonna put Kim Mulkey in my final four. I just can't do it on principle and I will be sad if it happens. But in terms of like analyzing that matchup a little bit more, I think Villanova is gonna have a hard time with Angel Reese. I don't think they necessarily have the low post defense to handle her well. I think Dulcie at times has been really good. I think we've seen her play really good defense on Aaliyah Edwards some this year. We've seen her rebound well, but she also is just so foul trouble prone. And if they can, she didn't even play very much in that Florida Gulf Coast game because she was in such foul trouble. And if they don't have her on the floor, I think that's going to be trouble in that matchup. Um, I mean, I still think Maddie's going to get hers, but they're going to need, I think it's going to be like Maddie gets hers and Angel gets hers. And then it comes down to like who's supporting cast does more. Yeah, I, if LSU D's up like they can, uh, I think it's, it's. I, I mean, I we've seen Villanova's defense be phenomenal too, though. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's a great matchup, honestly. I would love yeah. to see it. Um, although I'd love to see Utah in there, but yeah, I I I think on first glance I'll pick LSU just to disagree, um, and just because of the size, uh, yeah. like Dulce gets in foul trouble, that's a. Uh, kind of a nightmare scenario because then you're you're having maddie trying to i mean angel reese is going to get to the free throw line at least 10 times um <laughs> you know on average so um so yeah uh since it's we're not going past this right now uh, we can both just disagree and say that one of us picked lsu and one of us picked Nova. <laughs> all right um so then we'd have louisville and iowa uh I, I think it for the narrative I want Louisville. I'd love uh, to see Jeff Waltz get back uh, with a team that should not be in the Final Four. Um, <laughs> but the way that Louisville is playing and with the tempo and everything, I think that kind of favors Iowa. Um, not saying that he wouldn't adjust, but I think that's when Louisville looks their best is is when they can get out and push it and uh, and you're not playing against I mean I was essentially like a better offensively talented Drake in my opinion um with a with one of the best post players in the country uh and Kaylin Clark so um I think Iowa wins but I think it's somewhat close yeah I think that's an interesting matchup because like you said like if you're gonna have a track meet there's no team in the country that's better at a track meet than Iowa but also will Louisville adjust and slow down the pace and kind of lock it in on defense? I think we saw them lock it in a little bit more on defense. I mean, granted, like Texas also just can't shoot the ball, but they did lock it in on defense a little bit more in that Texas game. Um, and I think we've seen in that first matchup, like that, or the second round matchup with Iowa, that, like that defense, an intense defense can uh, frustrate them and kind of get them out of what they're trying to do. Um, and I think particularly frustrate Caitlin Clark. Um, and I think that's the key to like, if you're going to beat this Iowa team, you've got to get Caitlin Clark out of her element. Yeah. But I, I kind of think like, yeah, I don't want to pile in the final four because I've been so adamant that their defense, like can't get them to the final four with like that, that of defense. But like you look at this bracket and now that like the one, three and the four have lost you're kind of like like if you can't get to a final four with this yeah. iowa team in this bracket what are you doing <laughs> like exactly you gotta i kind of think it's gonna be iowa but yeah yeah i think like if you don't get there like you gotta raise some questions about like what's going on like coaching wise i don't know like if you can't take this team there, I, I think that's maybe too bold of a take, but like with the setup that they have, like you got to make a final four this year. Mm. Well, I know if, yeah. if they I mean, don't, if they don't, it's embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll stick down here on the right. Uh, so we'd have UConn against Tennessee uh, part two. Um, yeah. I think it's probably closer than the first yeah. matchup, but I agree. 
I still think UConn wins. Yeah. I think it's closer. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean UConn, God, I like I think they have they have now like the best path to a national championship, in my opinion. I mean, I, I'd rather be in their shoes right now than South Carolina's, to be honest. Like Tennessee does not you still yeah. Does not scare me yeah, like Maryland. UCLA and Maryland. Yeah, UCLA and Maryland. I, I I agree. I think those are harder matchups for South Carolina than Ohio State and Tennessee or Virginia Tech are for for UConn. That's fair. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I, think I think LSU, UConn, it. like I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be. I, I I can't will that matchup to happen because I don't want it to happen, but. Yeah, I, I do like UConn odds and that but, kind of matchup. But it'd be it'd be sweet to to I mean to knock him out, right? Fair, but I just want to not get there. And, and I, yeah, well, I mean it's got to be hard to beat a team four times. What if if Maddie Seegers knocks you out? That's like your own people, you know? That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, it is hard to beat a team four times. That, actually, I think that Villanova matchup would scare me for UConn more than the LSU one would because, like you said, it's really hard to beat a really good team four times. Um, yeah. I still think Gino could probably do it, but I, I do yeah. think it is, it's difficult to do. Um, no, I think I think easier – it's not – I think LSU scares me more just because of, like, the, the newness of it. But – Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd say like this UConn team is different than the team that played Villanova three times. Yeah, that's fair. I don't think they've. Well, maybe the the team that played them in the the Big yeah. East tournament pretty similar until the fourth yeah, quarter. Have, yeah, until the fourth quarter, they seem to have figured that part out um, in these last yeah. couple of games. But yeah, agreed. Um, but yeah, a UConn Tennessee matchup. I see it being closer than the original one. I think Tennessee will play. Better, but at the same time, I think UConn's better than UConn was in that that matchup too. They have AZ back. They, AZ yeah. seemed actually back in that that Baylor game. I know we're not supposed to be talking about <laughs> we're we're supposed to be the preview, not the recap. Yeah. But AZ fun. Gotta is look like back, back to go forward. <laughs> yeah. So um, I mean, she put that UConn team on her back in that that third quarter against Baylor. Outscored Baylor by herself in the third quarter. It's pretty insane. That's what it's so ca- so so casual to, to drop that yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Also, I thought Baylor was like like essentially like playing at home with how well they shot. They shot better at stores than yeah for uh yeah. for six quarters or no not the first quarter <laughs> in the first game <laughs> but uh for five quarters essentially um yeah what did they I think like, they made just 12 unreal. Threes. 12 threes against Alabama, 11 threes against UConn, but they like have averaged like six made threes a game this season. It's like something. No, and, well, and, uh, and they, they went, they went 12 for 14. Like they, they scored four points in the first quarter against Alabama. And then, yeah, <laughs> you know, like just unreal, like could not miss, yeah. but, um, shout out, shout out Baylor. We love you, but you're, you're gone. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the matchup that like I, I love and like granted, I understand the odds are completely against it, but I would love to see and not because I, I don't like South Carolina. I just love mm-hmm. uh unexpected things happening. And to me, there's a clear path where Maryland can win this game. Uh down by six in Columbia earlier this year, no Diamond Miller. The two three worked like a charm for a half until South Carolina made some outside shots and then just dominated the O boards. Uh, but Maryland is absolutely rolling. Uh, you know, if there's to me, it's a uh, compared to other matchups uh, that South Carolina's had all year, um, and in this tournament, there's a there's a ten percent chance, in my opinion, that Maryland wins this game. 10% is probably fair. I don't think I would go any higher than 10%. I, yeah, I mean, I think not having Devin Miller in that, that first matchup, it's a lot different than that original matchup that they played earlier this season. And I do think Maryland has at times played their best basketball. I still think we've seen it like kind of come and go. Like I thought in that, that win where they like beat Iowa handedly 
like right before the big get tournament, we saw like Maryland defense look better than Maryland defense has probably ever looked. And then they went to the Big Ten tournament and that defense was nowhere True. to be found. <laughs> um, so they still struggle with consistency and I think yeah. they need like the Maryland team that plays the really good defense and is scoring well and has Diamond Miller to to have that 10% chance of winning versus South Carolina. Um, I think if they bring that team, then yeah, this can get interesting, but they got to bring that team. And I think that's the first step because we don't see it consistently. Mm. So who's your pick? I, I'm going South Carolina. I really don't. If South Carolina is going to lose, I think it's going to be in the final four of the national championship. I don't think it's going to be in yeah. the, the regional. Yeah. I'm taking Maryland. All right. <laughs> we we've seen we've Hot seen take. how it goes. We've seen how it goes when I when I pick a big upset uh, in the past in the first two rounds. I can't go over four. Well, I definitely could. Um, either way. Uh, all right. Well, uh, Megan, this was a blast. Uh, I'm excited. I'm sure I'll be uh, messaging you throughout uh, Friday and Saturday about how frustrating I I am. Uh, or how frustrating it is when a team I want to perform isn't performing. Um, yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then so what? Next time we talk, what we'll see you in. Uh, we'll probably be in see, Dallas. We'll be in person. Yeah. 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 So yeah, everything after this week is probably going to be in person stuff in Dallas next week, which is exciting for sure. Yeah, and if you're if you're still listening, Calvin, uh, thanks for hopping on for five minutes. We we enjoyed it. <laughs> You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.